So you decided you want to buy a gun, but how do you choose which one? You don't have time to test every handgun, rifle, and shotgun out there. NorCal Gun Vault can help you out. Yeah, the folks that work there are passionate about firearms. They hunt, they shoot. You can tell it's not just a job for them, and it shows in their ability to find the perfect firearm for you. NorCal Gun Vault is fully stocked with hundreds of handguns, rifles, shotguns, not to mention tons of ammo, dozens of accessories. Yeah, whether shooting is just a hobby, you're a hunter, or you're thinking about owning your first gun, NorCal Gun Vault has exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if cash is tight right now, but you really want to get a gun, NorCal Gun Vault will work with you to create a layaway program individually tailored to what makes sense for your budget. NorCal Gun Vault opens seven days a week, locally owned and operated. Check them out at NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. It really matters when you're dealing with experts. Go to NorCalGunVault.com, NorCalGunVault.com. I want to talk more about North Korea. Um, got a guy who went to a cuddle party. Didn't didn't we have a professional cuddler come in and cuddle with you, Michael? Yep. Yeah, we drew uh, straws, right, for who would uh, be forced to cuddle with a stranger. Oh, I'm not doing it. Yeah, I did it. That seems way weird. to take one for the team. Seems weird to me. Maybe you can comment on it then. Is it? It's. I don't think it's caught on the way they thought it was going to. Because that was several years I, ago, I just, wasn't it? Yeah, I just found it strange to be honest oh, yeah. with you. <laughs> it's just weird. It's like you pay and you go have some dude or woman. You get to choose, I guess, cuddle with you for like an hour. A little physical contact. It's incredibly important to the species, Jack. Study after study <laughs> has shown this to be true. For random people to cuddle up next to each other? Not and, per se. That's yeah. not what I said. Don't uh, mischaracterize my words. You did earlier. You characterized me as being soft on North Korea. Exactly. And it's just it's, it's, the slander. When will it end? Mm-hmm. Got some uh, follow-up to the uh, Conor McGregor fight, too. A couple of uh, wrinkles that have come out. I want to hear about this person who tasted the $125,000 wine. So oh, all yes. of that will fit into the Conor McGregor segment. Super. Uh, Sean came up with his favorite Conor... America's most violent leprechaun. <laughs> Sean came up with his favorite Conor McGregor clip that we can play. Perfect. Oh, that whiskey tastes so good. Yeah, that, that's from the, the whiskey press conference, but there's another one from one of his UFC post-fight press conferences that is just so McGregor. Super. <laughs> Shall I stay tuned? I would. So if you'll remember uh, last week, it was actually a week ago today, that I was telling the tale of eating on a uh, patio at a restaurant and having a transient person come up to our table be way in our personal space. I asked him to leave, and then he turned incredibly angry and uh, and threatening very quickly. F you. He's screaming, F you. F your family. I'm going to F your children. I'm going to effing kill you. I had to get up from my seat to try to get him away from the table. He backed off and said he was going to effing shoot me. He stuck his hand on his pocket like he was going to pull a gun. I thought he was going to shoot me. Eventually, it ends with him leaving. I call 911, etc. So I've been wondering what's going on since then. Um... Some calls back and forth to police. Uh, one thing that's gone on since then is I'm being asked to speak to the Chamber of Commerce and all these different things. But as a minor celebrity. Excellent. The power of minor celebrity, which, mm-hmm. let me tell you, is minor indeed. <laughs> um, but so uh, so I didn't know exactly what was going on with the police. I've had a couple of conversations with the police and back and forth and um, missed a call and blah, blah, blah. So I called yesterday and talked to the guy and he said, yeah, I got some pictures I want you to look at to see if you can identify the guy. Well, that's interesting. 
Can I come by your house? Going to come by our house. How handy is that? Mm. That's protecting and serving. Slap the cuffs on you. <laughs> no, it I'm was not. A, it was a sting. <laughs> I'm not being arrested for anything. I okay. haven't done anything wrong here. Good. So he's going to come by with the pictures. My wife and I had talked about this because we were asked by the policeman last week, would you be able to identify the guy? And my wife said, absolutely. And I said, I'm not sure. Um, for whatever reason, I had kind of like a, a very hazy uh, mental image of the dude. I think because it was such a pressure situation, I I was in full-on fight-or-flight mode because I thought I was seconds away from fighting a human being. Right. Um, if you're not prepared to fight at that moment, you're you're making a mistake. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it, was, it was almost... I mean, if he had taken one step toward my family, I would have had to fight him. I, I'd have had zero choice. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I was, like, focused on his body I totally get that. I sure. Think, I think maybe I was focused on his body. Like, are you coming toward me, away from me? Where are your hands? All that sort of stuff or something. But like I had a very vague image of his face. My wife said I could draw you a perfect picture of it. Wow. So she was focused on his face. Anyway, so the police came by with pictures. And this is the way they do it. I, we've all seen this in TV and movies, right? So I thought it was interesting to do it for real life. He comes by and he's got a, a little packet of pictures. He's Actually, he's got two packets of pictures. One for me, one for my wife. He does. It, he wants us to do it separately. Sure. And uh, so that we don't, uh, you know, aren't influenced by each other. And more he, powerful evidentiary-wise, too, if he, it comes to that. He, he uh, Two he, independent ideas. I have to read this sheet of paper with a, with a list of uh, how I'm supposed to go about it. The, the person in question may not be in these pictures. Don't think that one of them has to be the person. Right. Um, if you like them, swipe left. I'm non, we know. Yeah. Tell us how certain you are, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's not swipe left or right. <laughs> that is have... a dating app. That is something very different. There was nobody in these pictures I wanted to have sex with. I guarantee you. <laughs> not only because they were male, but they were quite uh, disheveled. Oh, boy. Um, but anyway, so you had these things, and I had to sign it and date it that I understood what I was doing. And then I looked through the pictures. And I, I turned the pictures. I turned the pages. Then he told me, after this, I want you to go in and get your wife. Don't talk about it at all with her. Okay, I'll go in. Send her outside. Um, we did this outside on the, uh, patio table. Didn't think the kids, cause, uh, oh yeah, I left out the part of it. If you didn't hear this, that while he's screaming, I'm going to kill you and your kids. My kids are shrieking, crying, daddy, right. this guy's scaring us. Oh, they knew they were under a serious threat. Oh, they were right. Right. Um, so I, I wasn't sure the policeman going in the house and talking about this was a good idea. So we did it outside. So anyway, I go through the pictures, and I'm thinking, I told him, I said, I'm not sure I can identify the guy at all. And he said, if you can't, you, you can't. That's fine. You don't have to identify somebody. But I'm turning the pictures, and I'm thinking, that could be him. That could be him, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, turning the pictures. That's him. I mean, it was that fast. It was just it was just like not even a question. Yeah. And, I, and the, the most interesting thing was I had such an emotional reaction. As soon as I turned the page, oh, just like, ah, yeah, wow. I'm in full on, oh, I'm going to kill you mode. Right. Immediately. That's interesting the way the brain works, right? Oh, yeah. In my mind, I couldn't have told you really what he looks like. Second I see him, millisecond I see him, that's the effort. Right. How interesting. I mean, to, to, anthropologically speaking, it's like, you know, your your caveman of old didn't have to see a saber-toothed tiger and flip through his files. Let me see. Large mammals. <laughs> so I think that's a saber-toothed tiger. And then get to the end of it. And, oh, that's right. I'm supposed to hate and fear that creature. No, it it was filed. Yeah. I mean, it was an immediate, you know, the trigger. I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. Um, You know, for my wife to do that, 
You know, she thought she knew what he looked like, but I was pretty certain I couldn't identify the guy. How interesting. There it was in they your subconscious. They were asking me what you know what his face looked when I was on the phone last week. What 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 is the shape of his face? What color was his hair? How, and I was like, I I don't know, blonde, maybe brown. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I mean, I just I was really vague on the guy's face. Saw the picture, it was boom, that's him with a physical reaction. Really interesting. Um, so I do that, and I said, oh, "Are you sure?" Oh, guarantee you. And um, he said, "Okay, I arrested him last week." So the cop is in there with you while you're going over it. He yeah. doesn't set you into another room, and you come out with the one you no. think or whatever. Okay. No, he is watching me flip the pages, and uh, and he said, "Well, I arrested the guy last week," and um, he said, "I uh, we had a, a similar situation occur. I took him in." Um. And he was screaming violent, hateful things at the time. And this policeman was different than the policeman I talked to last week. So this guy took the 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 the, the, the scumbag in in the morning, mm-hmm. and he said the stuff he was screaming at me, just like I'm gonna, the stuff he was screaming at us. Right. He said I've heard this, I've heard this. Well, apparently he had that morning gone through the you know these are the open cases we've got. And he said huh. where have I heard this before? Oh yeah, right, the patio restaurant. So we went back to it. So he was saying the same stuff to somebody else, right, or to the cops. He didn't he didn't tell me. I don't know if that's a I don't know. They're not allowed to tell us about another case or whatever. But he did mention to my wife. My, my wife identified the same guy immediately when she went through the picture. He said, the guy really ticked me off. So I guarantee you, I'm going to do what I can to make sure this wow. guy goes away. So he must have, you know, he fought him or spit on him or did something yeah. to make the cops mad. Yeah. Uh, and he's wanted. He's got warrants out for his arrest in a number of other counties and all that sort of stuff. So, well, okay. Yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. He's probably going to jail somewhere. So we'll for see. a while. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, what I can do about that. I don't know. Uh, work on changing some of the props in the state I live in, I think. You know, what we need to have uh, just occurred to me is and we'll have to think about exactly how to arrange it. But I mean, who to have. But a criminal justice panel to talk about the number of people who break the laws, the number of people who get convicted, well, then get arrested, because people break many, many laws many, many times on average before they're arrested. The number of, of times somebody gets arrested before they actually get tried and convicted, the number of convicted people we actually have jail cells for, and, then and the you- number we have to turn straight back on the street. And I would like to address the whole, you know, X percent of our prisons are people address- who are just arrested for having a joint. Which is almost entirely untrue, but I would like to figure out to what extent, all right, is it like a, a, a guy who had a kilo of Coke? Well, a kilo is a hell of a lot of Coke, but I mean, so I, I would like to get to something like the truth about why we have to, and this part is undeniable, turn many, many people convicted of nasty, nasty crimes loose on the streets again almost immediately. Why is that happening? Right. I you, think people find that interesting. You got to go through that whole thing. Getting caught after a bunch of times, charged, convicted, and then even if you do time, if it's a week, how much is, as a citizen of an area where I don't want to run into this guy again, how much good does it do me if he spends a week in jail? I'm not sure it did me any good. I just think Mr. and Mrs. America have this perception that if you break the law and are caught, and convicted, you will go to jail for the prescribed sentence. And that's that. Right. And it's not nearly that. No. And I just, I don't think most people are aware of that. 
Uh, and yeah, and and a, a lot of voting on props and uh, and and funding of various things is determined by the fact that we're not aware of that. Yeah, and keeping in mind as, as we set this up and as we're talking about it, I as a guy with libertarian leanings think uh, too many people are arrested for stupid stuff. Too many people are fined for stupid stuff, um, and and regulated by the government and the rest of it. I'm not for more punishment just for its own sake. I'm not like your classic conservative put everybody in jail, but I am. If you break the laws that we, the people, have agreed on, should be uh, should have a result of you going to jail for breaking those laws, then you ought to go to jail. Yeah, if there's not room for this guy, I'll bet I'll bet if I was given you know kingly power, I'll bet I could go to the jail and be told, "What's this guy in for? This guy? Oh, that guy? I don't care. Get him out of there. Put the scumbag who was screaming he's going to murder me and my kids mm. in his cell. Yeah, let that guy out. I don't care that he did that. Putting aside your personal involvement, because I know that's not what you mean, really. But uh, but if you were to look at the uh, 25 people convicted of crimes in your county that week or that day or whatever. We got three cells. Here's your list of 25 convictions. You got three cells. You pick three of those guys. It could be you go through that list, and, and your guy isn't even in the top 10 oh, yeah. of people you want in prison. Right. And I suspect that's the case. Right. Uh, but again, we'll have to assemble that panel with great care. And uh, Yeah, the policeman said he's going to try to make it uncomfortable for the guy enough, at least, that he doesn't want to be in this county. So Good man. That's the goal. Salute, officer. You know, it's... I live in a sanctuary state for transients, so. Uh. <laughs> I mean, what is it, one-third of your homeless people in America live in California or something? Something like that. It's huge. Yeah. Which is, who thinks that's good? Is there anybody who thinks that's a good thing? Yeah. There are people that think that's a good thing. I think so, yeah. Really? Text if you think that's a good thing. 415-295-KFTC. If you live in a, a city or state where you have a higher than average percentage of the homeless population, do you think that's a good thing? 415-295-KFTC. And do you want to berate me for being soft on North Korea? I am prepared to stand my ground, sir. Defend my position. All right, we got that and Conor McGregor. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Have you seen this picture of Conor McGregor? And this is just a couple of hours after he got knocked nearly unconscious, face all bloody. Here he is with the with the hotties in his suit. Taking and a look now. That doesn't look oh like my. a man who's very unhappy with the situation. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, golly. Like when George that, Foreman. That poor girl bought the wrong size bra. <laughs> when, those, those puppies are about to leap out of that thing. When George Foreman got his... Uh, ass whooped by Muhammad Ali back in the day, he had a religious conversion, changed into a different human being. Wow. <laughs> Became a completely different human being after a life of violence and crime. Became a preacher. <laughs> Made fancy grills to cook hamburgers. It, uh, McGregor, what does it do, Sean? It knocks out the fat. <laughs> Conor McGregor gets, gets beat, and uh, he's out partying with hotties and introducing his new brand <laughs> of whiskey and... Uh, Almost that sort of thing. makes you wonder, you know, how legit the whole thing was. I don't know. I think it was a legitimate fight, but the the we hate each other. This is getting personal. 
Oh, think, that hype stuff? Yeah. Oh, please. I don't know. He did say dance for me, boy, which is... Well, you know. he knew what to, to, how far he needed to go. He was. Did you hear the, the words after the fight they exchanged to each other? It was all admiration and thanks and the rest of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I understand the bond boxers get after, you know, being in the ring, beating the hell out of each other. It's like, you know, soldiers on opposing sides. They think, wow, that guy's a grunt just like me. And they try to prevent that in war because then you think, why the hell would I shoot him? But anyway. I mean, M- McGregor was... I just read this, Sean. Is this correct? McGregor was in Mayweather's face at one of the various get-togethers, screaming about, "I'm not your ex-girlfriend or wife." Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, that's that. That's, okay, that's pretty personal. All right, so, touche. <laughs> I grant you that one. That's rough. I mean, did they have an agreement? Is it all right? By if the I... way, if you're not familiar, Floyd Mayweather is a woman beater. Back to you. Convicted twice. Getting that's back right. to our, how many times do you have to do something before you get convicted of something? Right. Especially with the lawyers he could afford. Um, but so, do you think they had an agreement? Look, I was thinking of this angle. I'm going to get in your face and scream that you beat women because I right. think that would sound really tough. Is that all right? And Floyd says, "Yeah, I think that angle's good." You think oh, that would can- really stir up the audience. <laughs> I could see that raising our revenue by three to four percent. On the other hand, there's you know they each made ten figures. Is is a hundred million dollars ten figures? Uh, nine, nine, nine figures. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of figures. Yeah, no doubt. We have a, a a new Conor McGregor clip. So, yeah, this is my favorite McGregor clip. This was after he became the first person in UFC history to hold a championship belt in two separate weight divisions. This is in the post-fight little interview that they do. Uh, here's the. It's about 20 seconds long. I've spent a lot of time, Joe, slating everybody in the company. Backstage, I'm starting fights off everybody. I've ridiculed everyone on the roster. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart... I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. <laughs> what, what was that last thing he said? The double champ does what the f he wants. <laughs> I'd like to apologize to absolutely nobody. From the bottom of my heart, I do what I ever want. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f- he wants. Wow. Wow. So he's introducing his whiskey after he gets the beat down and everything like that. And at the party, now at the other party. Let's hear him introduce the whiskey. Come on. Let's hear it. Talking to Conor McGregor. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) Oh, that whiskey tastes so good. So at the other party, Mayweather rolls up in his $4 million Bugatti convertible to his strip club called Girl Collection. But that's uh, that's an uh, affirming name, womanhood. Across town, yeah, no kidding. Across town, Conor McGregor's drinking a one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar bottle of champagne. Correct. Which sounds pretty crazy. Yes, we heard from a uh, a friend of Armstrong and Getty of the female variety. I am working quite hard to uh, obscure uh, relationships and identities and the rest of it. Uh, because uh, the fella involved, if indeed he is a fella, and he is a fella, uh, you know, he works for this company, and uh, you know, some of this information is kind of proprietary. But this person knows a person who works for the company that sells... What's the brand? Armand de Brignac Champagne, better known Asti as... Ace. No. No, again, that's Armand de Brignac Champagne, better known as Ace of Spades. Okay. Story on the champagne is made in the artisanal French style. Only 14 people are involved, from harvesting to bottling. Fantastic. Also, it is owned by Jay's, Mr. Z. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Wow. 
Not sure what size bottle McGregor had. I'm reading now from the note from this human. But the 750 milliliter, that's your regular wine size, uh, retails for about, or is that 375? You'd think I'd know. 750. Is that the like the jug of Tanqueray that I buy? I have no idea. No, that's 1.75. Anyway, so your standard wine uh, bottle sells for about 250 bucks for the Brut. The rosé the rose is about $450, $500. But when purchased in the club, range from $1,500 to $2,000 for the Brut, around $5,000 for the rosé. They range in size all the way up to 60 liters of wine. That's a lot. Which is, I mean, you'd have difficulty carrying it. <laughs> That's a hell of a big bottle of wine, which costs $271,000 and allows you the remote. Seriously, they give you the remote to work the fountains at the Bellagio. So you get to run the fountains for a little while. <laughs> Drinking your $250,000 bottle of wine. If you buy a $271,000 bottle of champagne. So 60 liters is just under 16 gallons. Sure. Wow, it's so much um, champagne. Wow, you got you got to admit, you're. Uh, I think all this stuff is bad for you. This look how rich and powerful I am. I think the 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 happiness of it all is very fleeting and does you more harm than good than in the long run. But you would certainly feel like the big swing and Richard of the city if you're standing up there at the top of the Bellagio with all the people uh, fawning over you. With your expensive champagne, making the fountains jump around. <laughs> like how right. much control do you have? Can I, like, squirt the people on the sidewalk with it? <laughs> oh, if you can't, what the hell's the point? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to know what sort of what sort of range of control I actually have over these things. Tourist family from Omaha wanders by, squirt. <laughs> I'd rather run the pirate ship at Treasure Island and have the pirates win. <laughs> hey, I'd want the remote to the TVs. I'd turn them all to home and garden, you know, right during the fight or something. Beautiful. <laughs> or or make, the, make the strippers all square dance. <laughs> That's what I want. (laughs) You got to square dance and then do the Charleston. Do it. With your clothes on. Uh, uh, This uh, this human who wrote us this note uh, says, I probably drank 20 to 30 bottles of the stuff since uh, becoming acquainted with the uh, person in question. Also, uh, um, um, hmm. there's something called a stripper appreciation pool party because... The strippers sell a hell of a lot of liquor. They convince the the horny guy who thinks they actually are paying attention to them. Uh, I think to, this one likes me. That sad, sad uh, person. Well, yes, yes. Wow, wow. And then they convince said sad person that, hey, you can continue to party with really attractive, scantily clad young women. But it'd be really cool if you bought a bottle of this. And he's thinking, yeah, this is the biggest night of my life. Yeah, what the hell? And he buys, um, he lays out a couple gur for, say, the, the standard size bottle of this, this uh, champagne. Hmm. Well, if you like, enjoy so, that lifestyle, enjoy that lifestyle. So the company has stripper appreciation parties, which is, uh, you know, as horrifying as I find Homo sapiens, you also amuse the hell out of me. You really do. I would thank you. I'd like to thank you for a lifetime of entertainment, humankind. <laughs> how about if somebody texted? How about if I turn on my hose in my backyard, wave it around while having a glass of Andre? There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds like a good time to me. I'll be over at eight. <laughs> What's coming up? Your news, Marshall Phillips. Well, tensions between North and South Korea taking another potentially very dangerous turn today. It's provocative. Amazon's takeover of Whole Foods well underway now. Price cuts just the first step. And- 
Japan a Japanese hotel run mostly by robots expanding to 100 more locations around the world. A Robotel. Coming up, minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Good stuff on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Joe's a capitulator. Joe is capitulating. Am I? He's going to lead us to nuclear holocaust. Or am I the only realist in the room? Hmm? Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, tensions are ratcheting up by the hour. South Korea is now training for a quick and devastating assault on North Korea should the need arise. The nation's Air Force ran a live-fire drill simulating what they're calling the quick decapitation of North Korea's leadership after a North Korean missile flew over Japan earlier in the day Tuesday. That missile flying over Japan, setting off air raid sirens. The distance and type of missiles seem designed to show North Korea could back up a threat to target Guam while also establishing a precedent of flying over Japan. It's the third time they've done that. Most recently, 2009. Originally, Big Papa did it back in the day. It's it's incredibly provocative and aggressive. It's another 17,000 mile shot shows a pretty good distance on that it, um what's how's japan gonna is japan just supposed to say well i guess we're not gonna do anything what, what are they gonna do about this they're gonna make loud angry diplomatic statements they're gonna rally the u.n to keep the sanctions on and maybe increase them they're gonna call up china on the bat phone and say you gotta get this a-hole to stop and things will settle down for a while and he'll <laughs> as you often point out they will continue to work on their nuclear program we want deals. So, but Trump, if Trump is going to say the things he said, right, and then not follow through with any sort of fire, fury, or frankly power, then the next threat, we all know this, whether it's dogs or children or husbands or wives or bosses or whatever, the next threat means nothing. It's laughable. The next time they Trump will says, be met with fire, fury, and frankly power. In a terse message today, President Trump says all options are on the table. They always are. And America's ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, was warning. No country should have missiles flying over them like those 130 million people in Japan. It's unacceptable. They have violated every single U.N. Security Council resolution that we've had. And so I think something serious has to happen. So that's that's our best option, to shame the U.N. and China and Russia into actually trying to rein the guy in. Something serious ought to happen. Agreed. Is, is something serious going to happen? Mm, fairly serious. Like now, what? W- w- like I the just sanctions. described. Yeah. 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 Which cut, so far... Further cut their gasoline supplies, which have been actually cut, according to most observers, as opposed to China's usual fake cuts. Um... If every option is on the table. Joe's never Chamberlain in this story, and I am Winston Churchill. Being laughed at because I'm a fat, lazy drunk. Like Winston Churchill. Imagine. (laughs) If every option is on the table, what about the option of, say, sending a clown over there and having him make some balloon animals for Kim Jong-un? How about if we nuke Chicago and beat him to the punch? That's an option. False flag operation? 
Well, uh, now he can't do it. Every option's on right. the table. What about the option of 100,000 dachshunds let loose on the North Korea border? <laughs> Is that option on the table? Apparently every option. Japanese hotel. Oh, shut up. Oh, every, shut up. Every night it's the same thing. I come home from dinner and I hear that. I'm sick of it. <laughs> My mother was right. <laughs> a hotel run almost entirely by robots that's part of an amusement park in Japan has been so successful since opening up two years ago. Its owners are planning to open a hundred more locations around the world. The Weird Hotel opened in July of 2015 and its second location opened in March near Tokyo Disney. At check-in, guests talk with either a humanoid robot who speaks Japanese or a dinosaur who speaks English. Give me the dinosaur. There are floor robots that carry your luggage to your room and a robot man to check room where guests can leave their bags. Floor robots that carry your bags up to your room. <laughs> so, uh, what what's the supposed advantage of this, though? They're Save, robots. Saves money. Novelty. And it's innovation and a novelty. Um, okay, novelty I get, but... And you possibly get to see a fellow hotel guest beat to death by a robot with their own luggage. Right. A killer robot, yeah. sure. Um, I, I got to believe short term it's not saving you money. Um, Price for a stay in the hotel is 80 bucks a night with the saved labor costs keeping the hotels affordable and plans are for 90% yeah. of the total staff at the locations they're going to build to be robots. Yeah, the, the robot's going to come along to pick up your luggage and it's going to grab you by the leg and pull it off you. <laughs> You or are just a drag suitcase. <laughs> drag up to your room screaming, ow, ow. Wow, that's human interaction, less chatting with See, people. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> Follow the, the upside. Robot may want to chat you up. You never know. Yeah, I, I stayed at a hotel recently that had a robot, but didn't have condoms. But uh, and I didn't order. <laughs> the hotel? Did you what? expect Wait, the what? hotel to Wait provide condoms? And they robots? got Tylenol there. <laughs> in what? Oh, and in their, in their little snack section. They got the trail snack mix section. and like some 7 Up Baruni. Oh, and, they and they're like the, their courtesy bar thing. But they don't have right. condoms. Was this an hourly motel? <laughs> yeah. No, no yeah. those ones have condoms, <laughs> Michael. Yeah. But they had a robot? What sort of robot? Yeah, what? It, 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 you, 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 I mean, I didn't order it because I thought it would be expensive, but it's, it's a little robot about waist high. And if you order like a bag of chips, it'll bring it up to your room, and the little flap opens on top, and you reach in there, grab your grab and your bag, grinds your hand to a stump. <laughs> <laughs> Won't bring you condoms though. A potato chip robot, fantastic! What a great time to be alive. <laughs> Oh, man, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. Wow. Wow, it brings you your potato chips to your room. I do like the fact that the English-speaking receptionist is a dinosaur. Yes. <laughs> that's an interesting twist. Wow, wow, wow. You are, uh, we got all kinds of stuff on the way, don't we? Oh, absolutely we do, and more. Somebody who's been to a cuddle party has reported, among other things, oh, on boy. the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, a lot of people think it was the right thing to do, John. And actually, uh, in the middle of a hurricane, even though it was a Friday evening, I assumed the ratings would be far higher than they would be normally. You know, the hurricane was just starting. Uh, and I put it out that I had pardoned, uh, as we call, as we say, Sheriff Joe. Uh, so he's saying it wasn't a Friday news dump. He thought, wow, everybody's watching the news. This is a grand announcement. 
he he might have actually believed that because he is uh, so new to all this and wasn't paying any attention before. But he is so wrong. Everybody involved in the whole putting news out world knows Friday afternoons where you dump stuff so people don't see it. Everybody knows that. Right. He might actually not have known that. I wonder. I don't know. I don't have any sense of that. He's so so kooky. Yeah. It's hard for me to guess. Uh, speaking of the storm, though, storm uh, Tropical Storm Harvey, 49 inches. That's a lot. 49 inches of rain already. Good Lord. It's hard to even imagine. Yeah. Woo. Uh, is the American Disabilities Act going to destroy the Internet as we know it? What? I am. Uh, I got so many problems with the ADA, and I swear I would feel the same way if I had a kid who is going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. It just, well, it, 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 it hopes to create a utopia that will never exist. And what we do is we, we, we close down businesses and, and tear down history and do all kinds of ridiculous things in hope of making sure every single human being has all access to everything, which is undoable. And it opens up uh, a crime wave of extortion by unscrupulous attorneys. But turning it toward the Internet. When a deaf woman, you remember this story because we talked about it at the time. When a deaf woman browsing online uh, courses at the University of California, Berkeley. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, she's yeah. trying to do the online courses. Right. Uh, a few years ago, found the problems. free online courses, right? Free? They're free courses right. offered by Berkeley. Yeah. But they weren't all set up for deaf people. They weren't, uh, they didn't have the, uh, what do you call it? The, the closed captioning. Closed caption. Yeah. They didn't all have that. Um, so she was having problems with that. She set in motion events that could have grave consequences for the Internet. She went to the Department of Justice, which threatened to sue UC Berkeley under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Fixing all the videos was way too expensive for something they were offering as a free service anyway, so Berkeley just took them all down. So instead of, this is, this is, my, this is you know, one of the many examples you could come up with, with you're trying to create a utopia, and what you end up is you know, punishing a great majority of the population who can no longer go to that historic hotel or use that restaurant or take those free courses from right. UC Berkeley. You're removing good and beauty from the world, not adding to it. Yeah. And, and education and information. Fixing all the videos was too expensive, so Berkeley took them down. Now, warns Walter uh, Olson of Cato, we should get him on to talk about this. A number of federal courts setting aside years-old precedent have begun to accept plaintiffs' arguments that the ADA applies broadly to the web. And since millions of existing web presences are uncompliant and easy targets for litigation, the only way to stop the cascade is either Congress is going to have to step in and change the ADA in the way it applies to the Internet. Which or, will be tough to get them to do because they're oh, cowards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The years we spent trying to get politicians to do the right thing. Or there will be an unbelievable disruption and takedown of what we formerly saw as the Internet. I mean, wow. there'll be endless websites. They'll start with the biggest corporations and work their way down. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just see so you. So, well, and then so it's like small people like my wife who's got a website. They just won't be able to do it because you won't be able to afford the closed captioning, so you just won't have a website, which is the same way a lot of small businesses close down because they can't afford to make it uh, 100% utopia perfect for every person who could possibly be bothered. Especially in historic buildings, yeah. So you just close down your restaurant, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's it. I would think it was crazy. If we hadn't been dealing with this for years where I've seen, I personally know of places I liked to go that were shut down by a person in a wheelchair. Right. 
So I know it can happen. Yeah, even though they were willing to accommodate that person in any way, bend over backwards, do anything it took to take care of that person, win their business, etc. Yeah, we're we're so well. Part of the problem is these politicians. They will say, "Well, I can't be seen as anti-deaf." I mean, because that could be used in a campaign ad. So even though are we you know that what, stupid? Audit, yeah, yes. Are we really that stupid? The, the electorate. Yes. We're far stupider than that. I well, just I don't have time to properly describe how stupid the electorate is. It would take all of our time. Well, um so yeah. And all right, listen. And politicians tend toward erring to the side of oversimplification and not wanting to deal with the truth if it could yield any political danger to them. It's just which it's just risk reward constantly. Risk reward. And the truth is an afterthought if it's thought of at all. But the idea that UC Berkeley, for all of its sins, should think, wait a minute, we have all this knowledge, all these learned professors, all this information that would be good for people, it would enrich their souls, help their lives, etc., etc. Let's just give it out for free. If people can access it, give it out for free. And then because not all of it has been closed captioned for the deaf, nobody gets it. The only possible argument I could come up with that if I were a utopian with no idea how the world really works is, oh, no, 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 that's just, that's a temporary incentive to leverage them into making it available for everybody. The deaf. Next will have to be the blind. They will have to have, uh, you know, every written paper on, you know, uh, hermaphroditic frogs. Frogs, both sets of genitals, or whatever <laughs> Alex Jones is talking about, which I've been talking about for years, admittedly. But that'll all have to be not only closed captioned, but put out in Braille or dictated by somebody, even though it's a, a 650-page scholarly PhD project. And so, therefore, nothing will be distributed to anybody. Anybody who thinks that's okay is an idiot. So this is a uh, this was from a column on upcoming problems we're going to have in the world. Oh, good. Because the courts have started uh, taking these cases. If you've become bored with the current crop of problems and you'd like to start <laughs> anticipating problems that are years away. <laughs> I don't think it's years away. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, unbelievable. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.